be with all of you all today. My name is uh, Zach Thompson, and I'm on staff here at Calvary. Uh, this is the time of year that for many of us, our schedules, our routines all start to go back to normal. Uh, we've had many, uh, most of our schools have, have gone back in session, to which there was much rejoicing by some and weeping and gnashing of teeth by others. We just had an entire week where the temperature stayed below 90 degrees. And in the air is that false sense of optimism about the Denver Broncos' chances. <laughs> All signs that fall is nearly upon us. And, and with fall as well comes uh, an important time for us as a church here, here at Calvary. This is a time when many of our ministries launch or relaunch. That there is much that uh, begins kicking off right around this time. And so that's why we have days like today, where we have this fall kickoff. It's why we just had our Connect and Serve Expo to show you places. Uh, there is a place for you here to find community, to find people, to serve. And if you missed the expo, you are not too late. We still have those, those pamphlets that are out at the Hello Wall, out in the lobby. You can grab one of those. There is a place for you here. But we want to take this time as, as so much is kicking off, as so much is launching, we, we want to make sure that we're all on the same page. So we want to pause. We want to look, what is it that we're excited about? What is it that we're celebrating? And does it go beyond the food and ice cream that we're about to eat at the end of the service? I would submit yes, but I want to make sure that we're all on the same page of what that would look like. We think that God has put us in the city in this time for a reason. And we've been able to see so much of God's faithful to us, so much of what God has already done in this community, in this city. We've seen put, people put their trust in him. We, we've seen others uh, decide to, to get baptized in obedience to follow him. We've seen so many more find community and acceptance and friendship and love and care from others. It's been a place for us all to grow in faithfulness of following after him, to, to see what are our lives to look like. And so I, I want to take a, a little bit of time to, to spin on that. What is the life that we are called to live as Christians, as this church? And to do so, I want to go uh, first to two uh, of the, the most famous passages of the New Testament that show what this life of following after Jesus looks like. And they have similar names. There's the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. We'll, we'll start first with the Great Commandment. We can find both of them in Matthew, but we'll pick it up in Matthew chapter 22, uh, starting in verse 34. You can follow with me if you have a Bible, either uh, digitally or physically, or you can look at the screen because we'll be in a couple different places together, whichever is easiest for you. But Matthew 22, uh, verses 34 through 40 say this. It says, when the Pharisees heard that he has silenced the Sadducees. So uh, Jesus was, was showing his wisdom and his understanding to the point where this entire group of people, the Sadducees, couldn't even speak against him. Now this other group, the Pharisees, when they heard that, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he, this is Jesus, said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
and with all your soul and with all your mind. And that is the first and uh, the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So as, as a way to summarize essentially all of, of God's Old Testament that he gives to us, uh, Jesus says that the greatest commandment to follow is love God and love others. So we as Christians, we as a group of Christians in a church, we seek to do exactly this. What is it that we are called to do? Well, it's to love God and love others. This is our very mission as a group of people gathered together as a church, so much so that we've put it on our wall, that we as, as Calvary Bible Church in Thornton, we, we seek to build Christ-centered communities of people fully devoted to what? Loving God loving others. This isn't some epiphany that we had. You know what the secret message God has for us? It's to love God and love it. No, it's exactly right here in Jesus' words for us. So when we gather together, what we're seeking to do is love God and love others. Well, how do we do that? Well, this is the great commission. Uh, flip uh, a little bit in Matthew to the very end of it. Matthew 28. Or you can follow along on the screen. Matthew 28 in verse 18. It says this, And Jesus came and said to them, his followers at the time, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so what is it that we're called to do? We're, we are called to love God and love others. And how are we to do that? Well, one of the ways is by following this verse, by making disciples. Again, we put it on our wall. How are we to love God? Will we follow, to, do we do what he calls us to do? He calls us to make disciples. How do we love others? Well, we show them that in Jesus and only in Jesus do we find life and peace and joy, lasting life, lasting peace, and lasting joy. So the most loving thing that we can do for others is to show them this Jesus who has so shaped us and transformed us as well. And as we make disciples, well, we see that there's a bit of a progression to this, that as people are growing into maturity, as people are following after him, they step into more and more leadership opportunities. And so we seek to empower leaders. Oftentimes when we think of what a leader is, they're that figurehead that's in front of an entire battalion and, and uh, we get scared, like, am I supposed to be that? That doesn't sound fun to me. It doesn't always sound fun to me either. Uh, but that's not what leadership necessarily is. It's seeing how has God gifted you? How has he given you abilities? How has he given you passions and desires? And how can you use those for his work and his purposes? So as we make disciples, as, as people become more mature, uh, a better understanding of who God is and, and what he's done, well, they step into leadership roles. So we do that as well. We make disciples, we empower leaders. And as this happened, as people follow after this God, well, it multiplies the church. Sure, and number, how many people go, possibly in locations as well. But, but the main focus here is as these people become disciples, they then go and make disciples as well. So we seek to love God and love others, and, and we do that in part by making disciples on which the rest hinge. Now, there's that, that question of what does it mean to make 
disciples. What, what exactly is a disciple? It's hard to make something if we don't really know what we're doing. Assembling IKEA furniture is difficult enough as is, let alone if we didn't have those poorly drawn pictures that go along with it. So what is it that we're supposed to be making? Well, the Bible, is, especially the New Testament, is full of descriptions of what a disciple is, what that this person looks like. Quite simply, a disciple is someone who is following Jesus, who is learning from him, living as he calls us to. And as we hear all the different ways that a disciple is called to live, we, we found it to be helpful to, to summarize this in what we call our shaping values. So what does a life of a disciple look like? Well, uh, we have it as uh, biblical authority, that we submit our lives to the teaching of God's word. It's prayer in faith that we believe that God accomplishes his will through our prayers. It's loving relationships that we commit to pursue authentic community, moral excellence that we, uh, we pursue deeper holiness in everyday living. Confident witness, we communicate in word and deed that salvation is found in Christ alone. And faithful stewardship, we give generously and faithfully of our financial resources. As we look at what is a disciple, what is someone who is following Jesus, what does that life look like? Well, we seek to have these characteristics developed more and more in our lives. Now, I get it. I've thrown a lot of phrases at you, and I've pointed to walls and screens, and it's all confusing. I, I don't want you to memorize any of this. As we're looking at who are we called to be as a church, well, we turn to God's word. And as we turn to God's word, we see things emerge that we think give us our purpose and direction. So we seek to do this. We seek to love God, love others, coming from the great commandment. We seek to do this. We seek to make disciples coming from the great commission. And the life of a disciple is someone who is following Jesus and having these characteristics developed more and more within themselves. This is what we think as we read God's word, what it's calling us to be, what it's calling us to do. And so everything that we do here seeks to accomplish this. This is why we want to have a robust kids ministry here that helps support parents to point uh, their kids to Jesus as well, because we want them to love God and love others as well. This is why we want men and women in Bible studies, because it's a place to learn more of this God that we love. It's to love others, to be in community with them. This is why we want to have a... a uh, uh, student ministries where we can point teenagers to the security that is found in Jesus in the midst of a tumultuous world. It's why we have our life groups. We want people to come together and find friendship and companionship to go through all that we have been called to do. This is why we want uh, everyone who walks through our doors to be welcomed and, and to feel greeted and to be part of this community here because we so love God and we so love others. So everything that we do, we seek to do to accomplish this. And so as fall is kicking off, as all of these ministries are launching, as all of these different activities and programs and ministries that we're doing, <clears throat> all of this, we hope, is done to fulfill what God has called us to do. And so when we get excited about this season, when we look back at how God has worked through this community, how we are eager and excited to see what God might do next, we want to make sure that we are doing it all as best as we can in obedience to God. And so we, we ask you constantly, pray for us that as we're making decisions to make sure that we are doing everything for the right purpose and the right cause, that all of this is out of a life of obedience and worship to our God. 
that all of this, uh, despite his planning and thinking that it's coming from his wisdom, his ability for his glory alone. So with all of these ministries launching, we so, so appreciate your prayers for us. And how can you be praying? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. We asked our ministry leaders here to, to give us a list of, of uh, needs or prayer requests or, or uh, concerns or things that we're looking forward to at this time. And as so much is going on, we want to take this time to pray for these requests, to pray for these prompts. So we're going to take about five minutes or so as part of this service, as part of our worship, to make sure that we're doing exactly this. We are aligning to what God has called us to do. Then nothing is put forth out of our efforts, our energy, for our glory, but it's all for God. And so we want to take this time in this service to be praying for what is coming up in this fall, for all that's launching, for all that's getting relaunched as well for you to be praying over it, that it's to reach this community, that it's for his glory, that it's everything is out of worship and obedience to him, that these are ways that we love God and love others, that these are ways that we make disciples and power leaders multiply churches. These are ways that we help people develop those characteristics more and more in their lives. We have four slides, Isaac. So we have four slides that we'll be cycling through. So we're going to take the next five or so minutes to pray for these prompts that we have. And so I encourage you to to keep looking at them. There's slides that we'll be cycling, but really, really appreciate your prayers for what we think God might do in this upcoming season. After those five or so minutes, I will bring us back together. But let's take this next moment to be praying.
Father, in all things we turn to you for guidance, for wisdom, for strength to do what it is that you've called us to do. So with these ministries launching or relaunching, we submit them to you. We, from the best of our ability, think we are following what you've called us to do. And we are so excited to see the work that you will do in Thornton and surrounding areas for your glory alone. So it's to you and you alone we pray. Amen. I so appreciate you praying for the, the ministries that are here. It's, it's important when we're making these decisions, when we're launching things like this, to make sure that we are turning to God for all things for them. It's also really important for us as, as a staff here at Calvary Thornton to help make sure that you are aware of what is happening here and that you uh, are included in that process. I want to take us to one other passage uh, that talks about the makeup and purpose of churches, and this is in the book of Ephesians uh, chapter 4. So Ephesians chapter 4, and I will pick it up in verse 11. And he gave apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. I'll pause right there and, and spend some time on it. So we, we get these descriptions of, of uh, different leaders who are within a church. And, and we have different leaders who are within our church. We have uh, a board of elders who oversees Calvary in Boulder, Erie, and Thornton, who helps shepherd and care for us to guide us to, to uh, discern uh, what God is calling us to do and, and hold us accountable to what God is calling us to do. We have uh, Tom Shirk, who is senior pastor over Calvary, who helps oversee the staff. We have a staff here of myself, Justin, Brody, Whitney, Dakota, who are doing whatever we can to care and support you, to, to point you towards Jesus wherever we can. We have uh, ministry leaders who, as volunteers, oversee much of the operations of the church. And why do we have that? Why is there this sort of organization? Is it just merely borrowing from the business world? That's not it at all. Verse 12 tells us the point of these people to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Saints kind of gets this misunderstanding to it. Like we, we might think of those who are super spiritual, they're really pious, so the, the martyrs, those who sacrifice so much for following Jesus. They are saints. They're not exclusively saints. Saints is a word that's used to talk about all Christians, all who are following God. And so what is this passage saying? that these leaders are there to help equip every Christian to do the work of the ministry. Every person following God to do the work that God is doing. All uh, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And see, God doesn't uh, merely work through a few individuals. Instead, he works through a few individuals to bring all of his people into the work that he is doing. And there's a wisdom to this process as well. See, you have opportunities that I do not. You have people in your life that I will never come across. Same with the people in the row in front of you, the row behind you. You have people in your life that, that many of us in here will, will never be able to know or care for or point to Jesus. Now, I have a benefit over some of you. That when people ask me, what do I do uh, for work? I can tell them, oh, I work for a church. And sometimes I can have really good spiritual conversations with people just because of where I work. 
Other times it doesn't always work that well. Uh, sometimes they want nothing to do with me. Or uh, worst of all, I think, is I tell people I work for a church and they tell, start telling me all their spiritual history and, and all that they've done as if they're, they're trying to show me uh, how, uh, how much they've earned and I, I give them a blessing or something. It doesn't really work like that. I don't have that kind of authority. I mostly stand up here and make fun of myself. Uh, but uh, you have an ability to reach people that, that I do not, e- even from the fact that you do not work here. As people see who you are, they see how you're sane and competent and normal, none of which I am. You have an ability to reach them in ways that I could not possibly do so. You will have people in your life that I will never get an opportunity to talk to, let alone the fact that I am one person, our staff, we named them earlier, is five people. We all have limited time and energy and efforts. And what we see is that the kingdom of God, the gospel, is timeless and expansive. It cannot be limited to the work of a few individuals here and there. Instead, it is that these leaders are there to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So this is why we give opportunities to serve here, to serve in ways that God might have gifted you, but it also goes beyond this, to see how God is working beyond this church and, and how he might be calling us to reach people that he's bringing close to himself. God uses all of his people to accomplish his work. And what happens when this is the case? What, what happens when Christians are working in lockstep, using the different gifts and abilities that God has given us? What, what does that look like for a church, for a gathering of Christians? Well, this is what our passage tells us as we continue in verse 13. So these leaders there to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, uh, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood or womanhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped. When each part is working properly, Oh, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I, I know there's a lot here, and so I, I want to draw out a, a couple of these phrases. Uh, what does it look like when all the saints are doing the work of the ministry? Well, in verse 13, we have this phrase uh, that shows that there will be a time when we attain the unity of the faith. There is far too much that divides us as Christians. And yet, what happens when we're all serving together, when we're all working together, when God gives us the wisdom and power and strength to accomplish what it is that he will accomplish? What is it that happens when we are all working together? Well, there's a unifying part to that. We can be one, which is exactly what Jesus prays for us to be. When we do not work in lockstep, of course we're going to be divided. But when we are different, we can be brought together, unified as Jesus calls us to when we are doing the work that God is setting before us. 
verse 15 says that we are to grow up in every way. This speaks of the maturity that has, that as Christians are working together, there is a growing, this, this uh, better understanding of who God is and what he's done and following it in obedience to him. But the passage says what happens if that's not the case, if we do not unify, if we neglect the work that God has set in front of all the saints. It gives illustrations of children or like a wave that's tossed to and fro. There's no root. It's aimless. Nothing is structured to it. We are starting a series next week as we will go through the book of Luke together. And one of my favorite uh, verses in the book of Luke is Luke chapter 2, verse 52. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor of God and man. And this is that idea here, this maturity, this growing up. And Paul writes for us one way that this maturity can happen. As we're reading through Luke, we, w- we want to ask that question, how can we too uh, de- uh, grow up in the same way? Paul says that a part of that, well, a part of that comes from all the saints doing the work of the ministry together. Verse 16 uses this familiar language to talk about Christians, and it's that of a body. Though we are all different, we have different passions and abilities and gifts and energy levels, and and, uh, we're all so different, and yet we are brought together like a body, where each part has a different function, a different ability. And when Christians come together to do the work that God has called for us to do, it says that we're joined and held together. We become part of something bigger than we could possibly accomplish on our own. When we see the work that God has set in front of us, we can do what God will do through his empowerment, through all the saints working together. And then finally, it says that we are to build, this body builds itself up in love when it's working together. We as Christians seeking to follow this God, seeking to be built up and love ourselves, this is only possible if all the saints are doing the work of the ministry. And we bring all this up to say, uh, yes, there are places for you to serve, for you to connect here, and, and by all means do so, but it's not exclusively here. There's nothing magical about the ministries that, that are accomplished here, and this isn't the only place that God might work through. And so as we launch into fall, what is it that we're excited about? What is it that we're looking forward to? What is it that we think that God might do next? Well, we summarized our focuses coming from our mission, coming from our vision, coming from our values, which showed you where those come from. So as we're looking to be obedient to what God has called us to, what is it that we're looking forward to in this fall season? Well, first of all, we want to reach our community. We want to reach our community. Think of how much is changing around us. Think of how many new neighborhoods are being built. You only need to go a couple hundred feet that direction and you find a brand new neighborhood that's going up or the one that just finished at Holly and 120th or the one next to it that's under review that's been proposed or the other one or the other one or, you know, the other one. And I know I'm offending every native Coloradan by reminding you of how many people are moving to this area, Uh, but think about this from the perspective of the gospel. There are people coming here who need Jesus, who need the same good news that saved you, who need to hear of the life and peace and joy that can only be found in Jesus. 
And you will come into contact with these people. You will be next to them in one of the dozen or so King Supers that are now around us, or at your child's baseball game, or in your class, you'll come across these people. And you'll be placed in a position that I never could be, our staff never could be, the people around you never could be. God has placed you uniquely in these people's lives as a light to him, as someone who is following this Jesus to point others towards him as well. We want to reach the community, but that's only possible with all the saints doing the work of the ministry. We want to invest in the next generation. We are placing a big emphasis on our kids' ministry and our student ministries as well. This is not to the neglect of others, but it's because of the fact that you and I will not outlive the gospel. And so how can we help this next generation know and trust and follow into this, uh, follow this Jesus as well? We want to invest in the next generation. This could be serving here, as we've said, or in your house with your child, your grandchild, Wherever it is that we are doing so, we just, we need to be doing so. We as well want to remember what I wrote. Uh, We want to raise up leaders to help with the work of the ministry. We want to raise up leaders to help with the work of the ministry. It's what we said there. We want to empower leaders. And this is not always some figurehead that we're talking about with a leader, but someone who's willing to use how God has gifted them, how we are all a body unique and and with uh, different abilities, but we are brought together. How has God gifted you to do the work that he's calling us to? We, We have so many incredible people in this church who are doing far too many things. And so we need uh, to look at who has God gifted to step into the work that God is calling us to. As you're serving in places, who can you help raise up to come alongside you in the work as well? Because again, we saw in Ephesians, all the saints doing the work of the ministry. We want that to be true here as well. And then finally, we want to be a place of help in a world that is hurting We want to be a place of help in a world that's hurting. We we want to be available to care for people and their hurts and their pains. We want to help meet people's spiritual needs. But we also want to meet people's physical needs. Calvary is a a very generous church. And just this past year, we've been able to help those displaced by the Marshall Fire. Or uh, we've been able to help feed people through our partnership at Food for Hope. Or we've been able to help uh, some refugees resettle into the area and and learn uh, what, what this community is like. But there's so much more hurt that's out there. So much more than we could possibly reach on our own. And you might have actually seen some of this. We've been having more and more people coming during the week or even on a Sunday who are looking for some sort of assistance. And we want to be generous. We want to help meet people's physical needs wherever we can. While being good stewards, we want to help people not be reliant on assistance, but we want to be generous in the, in the various ways that we can be generous. But you could be part of this as well. As people come on a Sunday, if they're looking for support in some way, well, you can help offer support. Invite them to come and worship with you. Invite them to come back when our office is open, Monday through Thursday, 9 to 4 p.m., and we might be able to provide assistance at that time. There's also a a wonderful card that we have back at the the Hello Wall, our local assistance card. 
um, which is full of resources. Our partners that we have in the community that provide a variety of, of means, a variety of different types of assistance, you can give them one of these. We have our blessing bags, again, by the Hello Wall, which is full of uh, basic necessities that you can give away to those who are without. You can take the bag with you to give away elsewhere to those who are without. I bring all of this up because fall is kicking off, and we know how tempting it is to be swallowed by our schedules, and that we're not immune from that temptation here as well. As our calendar gets full, our church calendar gets full, we want to make sure we're on the same page, that we're doing what God has called us to. And we think that means uh, we want to reach our community. We want to invest in the next generation. We want to raise up leaders to help with the work of the ministry. And we want to be a place of help in a world that's hurting. As we are launching into these events, we, we are praying that they help meet these needs that God has put on our hearts. And so get connected. Serve in some way, whether it's here or, or elsewhere. The, the main thing I want to ask you to do is, is have your eyes open. Where has God placed you uniquely? Where can you point people to the Jesus who has so transformed you? Where might he has uniquely situated you so you could be part of the work that all the saints are called to do to bring the good news of great joy that is for all the people? And none of this is to inflate our numbers None of this is to justify building some monstrosity of a building. That, I, I really don't care about any of that. But there are people in our lives that need Jesus. There are people that need to know the hope and the peace and the joy that comes from a life of following after him. And what better thing is there to celebrate in this fall than the possibility of getting to see those people trust in Jesus firsthand? Let me pray for us. Father, we are so grateful that you would work through us to accomplish what you would have. We are so grateful that you have shown us what a life of following you looks like, a life of loving you, loving others in response to all that you have done for us, all that you have accomplished, all that you will do a life of making disciples as we are following you to help others to do so as well, who step into leadership roles which helps multiply the church, a life that is shaped by these characteristics of a disciple. You've shown us who we are to be as a church. You've placed uh, a desire for others to know you on our hearts. And we pray that you would do this work. We are never given a guarantee that you will, you will do what we call for you to do, but as we look at the work that you've done previously, as we see people gifted, shaped by who you are coming together, it's hard not to be excited about the work that you might do through us with all the saints working to accomplish your work. We are so eager and excited to see what you might do next. So it's to you and you alone that we pray. Amen.